This is the Oceans Church Podcast, where we believe in connecting people to Jesus, the one who changes it all. To learn more about Oceans, view upcoming events, or find info about ways to give, please visit oceanschurch.org. Thanks for visiting the podcast. Enjoy today's message. I have already asked the Lord to forgive Michael for saying those uh, expanded words, and I've also asked the Lord to forgive me for enjoying them. So um, <clears throat> my name is Mark. Um, my much better half, Debbie, can you at least stand up so they can see? She is my prime rib. She's my better two-thirds. Um, she is what makes my world go around. Um, yeah, amazing. Um, we love, love, love hanging out with family and friends. This is more than just like, you know, a casual acquaintance that we've met. Uh, Michael and Jamie have been such an incredible, incredible part of our lives. Um, I want to say we were probably coming home from a, some meetings in New York and uh, our kids were asleep. We, were, we actually, we did own a minivan. So <clears throat> I'm just going to put that out there. We said we would never, but we did. And Michael is actually sitting in the back between us. And he kind of peeks his head through the captain's seats. And Debbie and I are sitting there. And he says, hey, I wanted to tell you that I've met this girl <laughs> from Florida. And like you could see like the, the the sparkle in his eyes, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, like he's done. He's wrecked already. Like this is this is amazing. And um so yeah, so we have been in their lives uh and their children and their incredible family now that they've they've got uh so many, so many amazing things going on. But more than that, when Michael was about 14, uh, I noticed like his incredible ability to pick up any instrument, literally. When I say prodigy, if you are a worship pastor or a music teacher or anyone that teaches um, any kind of music, you will barely, rarely, maybe once in your career, discover a prodigy. And Michael is the prodigy that I, I felt like the Lord just dropped in our lap. Um, and what an amazing gift. Talk about a, a heart of worship. He's always, he's always led with this incredible heart of, you know, it's all about Jesus. And uh, we've watched God open up so many amazing doors. Uh, I think we've been in almost, of all the states you've lived in and you've pastored in, we've probably been in just about every one of them. And the same with us, of all the states that we've lived in and pastored in, they have, of course, been at us. And so, But can we make some crazy oceans noise for Pastor Michael and Jamie this morning and just honor them? We love them so much. So proud of them. Uh, and, and something else I wanted to do today, yesterday was Veterans Day. Do we have any veterans? That, can we just make some noise for those that have served and are serving? Thank you, thank you, thank you. We get to do what we do up here and, and, and with our families because you do what you do. And so thank you guys so much. Um, wow, I don't know what we would do without you, my Best friend from high school, we had, uh, I'm going to digress because it's third service. Is that okay? 
Uh, we had a, he had a 65 Mustang. It was a buttercup yellow with a black vinyl top. Um, and we loved to race that thing. Can I just say that we probably stood in front of our district magistrate more than once that involved that Mustang. <clears throat> he ended up going uh, and serving. Uh, he's an Army guy. He's always Army strong. And, um, and, and I, we always wondered about his thrill issues. Like, there's something radically wrong with you that you, like, laugh when you're jumping off of a 60-foot bridge or, you know, a cliff or, you know, you're doing crazy stuff. And, of course, that's exactly what he did. So, yeah, he ended up, uh, uh, ended up jumping out of all kinds of things, planes and you, you name it, and all over the world. And uh, he made a career out of it. One of my, still one of my best friends. He probably knows me better than anybody else. And uh, so, uh, and, but I've watched how he has so served and so put uh, his, his, himself in harm's way so many times. And I am truly grateful for that. So I just want you to know that's not just the thing we do. I think we should be honoring our veterans all the time. It's a personal uh, thing. But hey, listen, uh, can I just briefly talk to you for a moment about this series that uh, Michael has started? I'm thrilled to be part of this series. One of my favorite subjects, the subject of worship, and um, more specifically, worship and gratitude. And so one of the things we want to do, if we can today, we want to break down a couple of things for you, but I want to start with our theme verse, which we find, of course, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Those of you that have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, and you don't have your device with you or whatever, I'm sure they're going to put these scriptures on the screen. But I want you to just for a minute go with me. Jesus is being challenged by the Pharisees in this passage, and he's being asked um, kind of really in a snarky way. They're trying to catch him and trip him in any way that they can. And they're saying, well, if you're such a, a, a cool rabbi and you're, you're so uh, astute and you're so well taught and versed in scripture, then what's the greatest commandment? And this is Jesus' response. And this is our theme verse for this series. He says, the greatest commandment is, and just read this with me if you're reading this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is this incredible ability to focus on the Lord. Um, one of the things that I love to talk about is practicing the presence of God. And what does that even really mean? And it's this idea that we have this incredible honor to be able to invite and to invoke Jesus into our lives and his presence, his manifest presence changes us, transforms us, and miracles happen just normally. Did you ever notice in God's presence that people get healed because that's the nature of Jesus? That's just what he does normally. That's, that's his go-to. He rolls like that. Uh, you have to, in other places, in other scenarios, you got to go through all of these rigorous kind of hoops, and you got to crawl on glass, and you got to climb mountains and drink teas and do all this weird stuff. But with Jesus, He just wants you to believe. And it's that level of believing and fully trusting in Him that He comes and He says, I want to spend time with you. I want to do life with you. I want to walk with you on a daily. So hopefully we'll tackle these three ideas that Jesus wants to 
change in our lives and he wants to come and he wants to do a transformation. I believe, number one, he wants to change our worldview. Number two, he wants to change and transform our wonderings. Break that down in a minute. And then thirdly, he wants to change and really get involved in our worship. So we're going to talk about those three things if we can. Again, I'm sensing this morning, you know, as we were worshiping, how many, can we just shout out and maybe put our hands together for Ocean's Worship team and the guys that make it happen and amazing. And as they bring us into what I call the throne zone in the presence of Jesus, where everything is possible and nothing is impossible, I kept feeling that there's more to what God wants to do with Ocean's Church than what you see right now, presently, and currently in front of you. I I don't believe that this facility and this space is big enough. Can you say amen? I don't don't think that there's enough teams and leaders that are involved in what God says is going to happen. I think we're going to hear some incredible music come out of this place. I think there's going to be songs that the entire church is going to sing as anthems around the world that are going to come out of this place. I believe that what God wants to do is he wants to draw young people. He wants to draw young hearts and lives like Jesus did with his disciples. And he wants to pull them into a place where they're thinking and they're trafficking ideas according to Jesus' words and not according to what men say and what men have put up and erected in front of us as oppositions to God. It's amazing how men like to complicate God, but the Holy Spirit wants to simplify God. And I believe that God wants to reconstruct some of the way we think and some of the ideas that maybe we have built and manufactured in our minds, and he wants to do a work on those. And so one of the best ways to really begin to tackle an idea and a concept is to go back to the beginning. So if you would, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 2. And we find Adam and Eve, they've just committed the, the first sin, Again, this is the, the book of, of first things, initial things, and the law of first mention is actually established in the book of Genesis. And the Bible says that once they committed this sin, that they immediately felt shame. And then they felt compelled to hide. And I think that what happens to so many of us, we see three major things that happen in the book of first mention. And the law of first mention establishes three things. Number one is that we, humanity, we have a propensity to fail and to miss it and to fall short and to make wrong decisions. But then the second thing we find out is that in that error, we also then have a tendency to project onto God the very false thing that we are feeling. And so in Adam and Eve's case, they felt shame, and so immediately they projected onto God, well, maybe God is ashamed of us. But I want to dispel that lie this morning, if it's okay, it's a strong word, but it is a lie. 
And I want to dispel that, and I want to show you that in the mind and the eyes of God, that what is not, that's not his heart, and that wasn't his original intention and purpose. Because even after they sinned, that did not keep God from coming and to still continue to want to walk with them in the garden in the cool of the day. Can you say amen? The Bible says here that even after they had sinned, that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid themselves from him. See, the Bible says in Colossians 1.21, the apostle Paul was writing, and he said, I want to break down what's actually happened to, to all of us because of Adam's sin. All of us, look at what he says, have an alienated ourselves from God in our minds. You have pushed away from the presence of God in your mind. And this is why I think today this incredible subject is, is so kind of close to my heart because I've always felt like the greatest hindrance as a worship pastor, as a lead pastor, it's always been, it's not that God has got anything wrong with him. It's that we have tried to project onto God issues and falsehoods that we have and that we see within ourselves. Like some of us have a problem relating to our Heavenly Father because we had a problem relating to our earthly father. We project, we have a tendency to do that. And so Jesus comes and he says, I want to dispel that and I want you to hear what's really in the heart of God. And what's really in the heart of God is that he is after you with his love. He's chasing you with his goodness. Can you say amen? He's going to run you down with his favor. Can you say amen? In fact, the Bible says in the New Testament, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Think about how amazing this is. Every time God has shown himself to people throughout the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament. Notice, he always reveals himself as goodness. In Exodus 33, when he came in front of Moses, had to cover Moses in a cleft of a rock because his goodness was so powerful that it would have destroyed Moses. And the Bible says his goodness passed in front of him. Or when 2 Chronicles chapter 20, when Jehoshaphat and Israeli armies are being outnumbered 10,000 to 1 by three other armies and nations that are wanting to destroy them. The Bible says, if you want to see who I am, I want you to put the singers out in front of the army. And I want you to sing of my nature and declare in the heavens and in the atmosphere of who I am. Say these words, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. You see, one of the problems that we have when it comes to really worshiping God the way that I believe that we want to and that he loves us to is because we have some misconceptions about him and he wants to tear those down today. He wants to dismantle that stuff. How many have children in the room? Anybody got kids or maybe even grandkids in the room? How many have ever, like, let's say it's Christmas Eve, right? And you've bought a bunch of toys, Dad, and now all of a sudden you realize, oh, man, these kids are going to be up like before the sun. I'm not going to be able to sleep in tomorrow. And I better have these gifts already built. So we just start ripping open the box, and we just start trying to put 
stuff together. Is it, am I the only ones ever kind of take a swing at that? And then usually I'm the kind of guy, I'm a hack from way back, so I'm like, I don't need the manual. I don't need instructions. Like, it's a kid's toy. You know what I mean? It's not from Ikea, right? So I could do this. So, and I start putting it together, and the next thing you know, I look down and I realize that I've still got parts on the floor. And all of a sudden I go, oh, oh no. And I have to deconstruct in order to reconstruct according to the word of God and realign those pieces and put them where they belong so that it can operate as it was designed and intended. Can you say amen? And one of the reasons that we have maybe misconceptions about God or maybe we've even been hurt in church, and I know nobody in this room has ever been hurt in church, but in case you meet someone that's been hurt in church, most of that hurt comes because, because you've, you've read and you understand that you're supposed to be living a certain kind of life and you're supposed to be walking in certain things that God has provided for us and you're not. And you think it's the preacher's fault or it's the church's fault or when in fact, if you go back to the basics, you realize it's because you were given and misinformed about the nature of God. And you weren't given your full identity as to what God thinks of you. And let me show you where this actually comes in. So this third thing that we see in the Garden of Eden that gets introduced in the law of first mention is we find out that not only did Adam and Eve sin and God said, it's fine, I still want to walk with you, but Every time humanity has ever taken from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they have always had an encounter with the accuser. The snake never showed up until they decided to challenge God's word. But here's what happens. The devil doesn't have power or authority to remove you from the presence of God. He doesn't have the power or the authority to take your identity from you. So the only tactic he has is to feed you lies and to get you to deceive yourself and you walk away from the goodness of God and you disengage from the nature of his goodness and you leave and walk away from your inheritance. I want you to see in Revelations 12, the Bible says that the accuser, which of course in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you've got some different languages, but this is actually a title uh, of the enemy that is really the enemy of our souls. It says the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the brethren, he has been cast down. How? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. But the accuser uses this weapon against us 24-7. Now, I know I'm probably not the only one in the room, but if you've ever made a mistake, you guys probably haven't, but in case you meet someone that's ever made a mistake, isn't it amazing how we play the event over and over in our mind? We replay whatever has happened. Or let's say we've said something, maybe out of line, maybe it hurt somebody, maybe it was wrong information. And, and so what do you do? You start to replay that thought through your mind. Now watch what's happening. There's several things that are going on in this tactic of the enemy. The first thing he's done is he has immediately disengaged you from the now. Do you notice that it's almost impossible to serve God and to be in his presence 
and be thinking about the past or to be worried about the future. The, the, the amazing things and the most wonderful things that happen to us in humanity and our lives, they happen in what I call now moments. The day that you fell in love with that beautiful person, for some reason, time seemed to not be an issue. Has anybody, am I the only one who, you know, like, you're like, you look down and you go, oh my gosh, it's like four hours went by. What have we talked about? And then, you know, then later on in marriage, it's a whole nother thing. Anyway, that's, <clears throat> sorry, I, I digress. Um, if you find out and you discover this ability about being in the presence of God, we call it practicing the presence of God or being in the moment. The Latin phraseology in, in, in Hebrew manners and customs, actually the word for it is homologio. We see it in Romans 9 and 10, where if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you will be saved. What is he saying? He's actually saying that if you take a minute and you are in the moment. Now, husbands are probably going to say, oh, yeah, I'm always in the moment. Wives, let's, let, can we get honest about that for just a minute? Was he really in the moment when you asked him to do that? He was looking at you and he was saying yes, but was he actually listening? Or was, did he just respond to the waveforms that were going through his ears? Or maybe when you were talking to your children and they said they heard you, but they didn't hear you. How many know what I'm talking about? This is this incredible ability to be conscious or be focused or be in the moment. And this is what God wants to restore to us in our wonderings. When we meditate on the Lord, he becomes our delight. And what happens is, is that he then gives us godly desires, heavenly desires. Heaven comes down to our earth, and then he gives us the desires and fulfills those desires that are in our heart. There's something so powerful about this concept. So these are a couple of things that I wanted to make sure that you had as far as understanding the ability to serve and worship God with your mind. Let's go back again to this idea of knowing that God in his pure nature realized that we would be limited in our ability to follow his instructions. We wouldn't always be listening to him. Now watch what he did for us. The Bible says in Revelations that when we see Jesus and we're all worshiping around the throne, one of the things that we are going to be thanking God and worshiping and praising him for is we're going to say, worthy is the lamb that was slain from before the foundations of the world. Do you realize that God made a provision for us before we, we made any mistakes? The Apostle Paul said that God, he loved us when we were unlovely. In fact, and then Christ died for us when we didn't even know him yet. This is how incredible the love of God is. Knowing that Adam and Eve were, were going to blow it. And, and providing a way that Jesus would come and he would say, 
I want you to understand my father's intention, his original intent and purpose is to chase after you with his love. He wants to walk with you on a daily. He wants to be in every area of your life and love on you and help you because you have to understand religion likes to complicate God, but the spirit loves to simplify God. Can you say amen? And so when I have opportunity, I want to worship God. I, I've, I got to understand that I'm not fighting for a place of victory. I'm fighting from a place of victory. Come on now. I'm not living for the favor of God. I'm living out of the favor of God. Come on, is anybody else in the room? Amen. I'm not doing things to win my heavenly father's approval. I'm doing things because I'm in the the approval of my heavenly father. So there has to be this understanding that we realize I worship God because he has been so good to me and my heart has been made for this. Maybe you've witnessed this. Maybe you've seen this in a meeting. Maybe you've been in a worship service. As a pastor, I see it a lot and I absolutely love it. People will come in for the first time and without even understanding fully why as the worship starts to go up and everybody starts singing together. All of a sudden you see these tears running down people's faces and they're almost apologizing for it. Like, I'm sorry, I don't know what's happening. Here's what's happening. Your heart is coming home. Your heart is coming to the presence of God where it belongs, where it was intended to reside and live and abide and dwell. And when your heart comes home, then everything else begins to line up. You realize that what used to be a, a big tr worrisome and troublesome issue, all of a sudden in God's presence, you realize, wait a minute, with God, all things are possible. He can make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. Come on now. He's not done with me yet. He is more than able. And the next thing you know, you look at your situation and you go, my God's got this. Can you say amen? So I want God to come and I want him to reconstruct my worship, my understanding of him. And ultimately, I want you to see this idea. And I want you to take a minute as we close with this concept together about Jesus. The Bible says in Mark 7 that the traditions of men are what make the word of God of none effect. And sometimes when we've imposed on God a, a misunderstanding or something that's even going on in my heart and in my life. And if I'm not careful, I, I will actually put that up in, in my mind as something that's elevated or exalted above the knowledge of God. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10 shows us this, that we have a tendency to elevate arguments against God in the knowledge and understanding that we've manufactured in our mind. In the King James, it says, that there are high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. But in order to win that battle, we bring those thoughts to the feet of Jesus. And in King James, it says to bring them to the obedience of Christ. But it means bring that thought to Jesus. Make sure all my thoughts and all your thoughts are father filtered. Can you say amen? Because when you start filtering everything that you're hearing, whether it's from something you've heard in your past, whether it's something that the enemy's lying to you about in the present, or whether there's other people around you saying, hey, you can't do that. 
Like, you, you just can't go into the presence of God like that boldly. Ah, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's what I do. I bring that idea and that thought and that concept to the feet of Jesus. And I say, wait a minute, what did Jesus say about this? He said, please let all the children come. He said, don't keep them from coming to me. He said, in fact, the kingdom of heaven is like the heart of a child. I want to restore you back to this place of innocence where you think like a child. You easily believe. You easily forgive. You easily trust. You see, because God wants us to love again. God wants us to dream again. God wants us to trust again. And it's usually because we've been hurt that we've built up walls, that we don't want anybody else to hurt us like we got hurt before. But Jesus comes along and he says, no, you actually don't have to be worried about being hurt like that. In fact, the power of my love is so powerful that it'll actually cause you to go into places that you normally wouldn't go and to love people that you normally wouldn't love. Why? Because I love God so much that if God puts value on something else, I'm going to put that same value on that something else. When my middle daughter was little, she was into all these little horses and ponies and stuff. And we got this one where it had, it was white and had a, had pink hair and a mane and a pink tail. And there was a brush that came with it. And one day she wanted to go out and play outside. So but she came to me and she said, Dad, she said, can you take care of my pony for me and make sure you brush its hair? Did I have some infatuation with this plastic pony with pink hair? Or, yeah, that would be weird. It would be so awkward, right? I would need counseling and therapy. Or did I transfer the same kind of love that my daughter had because I love my daughter? I transferred that same level of love and appreciation on the thing that she loved. Can I look at other people and can I love them the way God loves them? Can I look at myself and can I love myself the way that God loves me? Lord, heal our thoughts. Lord, heal our wonderings. Heal our worship. Can you just stand for a minute in the presence of the Lord? Father, we thank you so much for your presence in this room right now. We thank you that in this atmosphere that anything can happen. I thank you, Lord, that you're touching and changing hearts and lives. And Lord, you are making a way where there doesn't seem to be away. Lord, I thank you that you, by your goodness and by your love and by your grace, have called us out of darkness and brought us into your marvelous light that we might show forth your praise in the earth. I give you glory. I give you honor. I magnify your matchless name, Jesus, and ask you, Lord God, to continue to come and walk with us, live with us, reside, find a home and a habitation in our worship, and we will give you all the glory and all the praise. And everybody shouted, amen. amen. Pastor Michael is going to come in just a moment, but I have, I feel like I have a message for this couple right here. Is it okay if I can just, can just pray over you?
Amen. Uh, the, 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 the blessing of the Lord, of course, is on your lives, but it's because God has blessed you to be a blessing. And I feel like that the Lord is, is going to raise, uh, elevate you uh, in the marketplace. And he has actually called you to be a, a gift in the marketplace. Uh, there are pastors, there are teachers, uh, there are evangelists, there are prophets in the marketplace. And I believe that God is anointing you to be an evangelist for him uh, in the marketplace. But as a result, a byproduct, a byproduct will be the blessing of the Lord is going to overtake you and overwhelm you. And you're going to be a blessing to the body of Christ as well. You believe that? And as a sign to you, God is actually going to touch you and touch your wife. Uh, healing in your body. He's going to do a miracle for you as an indication and watch over you. Uh, talk about health insurance. Better than Blue Cross and Blue Shield, I can tell you. He's, he's got you. He's taking care of you. Can we stretch our hands towards our friends and say, Lord, we thank you so much for the word of the Lord, the power uh, of your word as it makes a way you speak your word, and Lord, you make room. You transfer your inherent energy with your word, and it accomplishes what you sent it out to do. It doesn't return to you without and to. So, Lord, we thank you for the word of the Lord over this couple. We speak your blessing over their lives. And, Lord, over all of us, everyone in this room that could say, yeah, I, I received that word over my life and over my family. We say yes and amen. We thank you, Lord, that all your promises are yes and amen. Jesus' mighty name, thank you for that. Let's put our hands together one more time for the word of the Lord. Can we welcome Pastor Michael as he comes again? Thank you guys so much. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook or Instagram for updates, service info, and ways to get involved here at Ocean's Church. Be sure to give this episode a rating as it allows us to connect more people to Jesus. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again soon.